Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Peyton. Hello, Edwin. Good to see you today. Good to see you, too. Glad that you could be a part of our conversation. I think you're going to be with us today and tomorrow. Andrew's going to be sitting out. I'm glad uh, glad we get to converse about James. Yeah, it'll be great. So we've had we've had a couple of conversations over the past few weeks about Hebrews. It's a new month and a new book. We're going to be looking forward to that. Andrew and I got to talk a little bit yesterday about trials. Uh, maybe today we'll talk a little bit about the consequence of letting those trials really work in our lives. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this crown of life. I'm excited about that. How about you go ahead and read James chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading from the ESV version. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when as conceived, gives birth to, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Lots of questions we have in these paragraphs. I start with just the idea of temptation and what produces temptation. And the realization that down at the bottom of all of this has to do with desire. What do we desire? Who do we desire? And when our desires are aligned with God, the victory that gives us. And when our desires are not aligned with God, the failure that that gives us. I think we, we, that, that brings us to in the death. A lot of this is, is tied up in that. But at the end of this, the, the goal he has for us is receiving the crown of life. That's God's goal for us. God's goal in everything that he lets happen to us is receiving the crown of life. And yet, here in this chapter, on the path to the crown of life, it's not necessarily what we would consider pleasant, joyous, happy, meaningful. On the path to the crown of life, there's suffering, there's trial, there's testing, and yet, even while there's testing, it's not temptation from God. Got a lot of stuff that's going back and forth on that. What, what, what are you thinking about as you're reading these paragraphs? I want to I want to coattail off that a little bit. It's kind of interesting to me that it's sort of you can think about this in terms of two journeys. You know, I I don't know what it is, but in some movies or just some things can be sort of polarized. They're kind of separated. It's where um, the good road that looks really good, well, it's going to lead to good things, and the bad road that looks like a bad road, like all these things are happening. Well, of course, it's going to lead to death. But that's not exactly the same here. It's actually the road of suffering that's leading these people to the crown of life. That's that's the whole point. But when sin, sin is usually the thing that looks so great, the thing that's so enjoyable. I mean, mm. that's the devil's job, right? <laughs> yeah, good point. But we see when it reaches its end, it brings forth death. Mm. You know, desire leads to sin, leads to death. I mean, these, these are completely opposite. And I think James is intending to contrast here so that we don't forget. So they don't forget, hey, here's the end. Here's, here's what we're looking for. 
When you bring it up that way, it reminds me of the very first psalm when it talks about not standing in the way uh, or not listening to the counsel of the sinners and standing in the way of sinners and sitting in the seat of the scornful, and it contrasts the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. And I think about those two paths, and at the head of those paths, they may look very similar, But the path of God, the path of righteousness, is the one that we need to choose. And I remember when I studied Psalm 1, one of the conclusions I drew was, when I choose the path, I'm choosing the consequence. I don't get to choose the path of wickedness and somehow at the end get life. It's just not going to work that way. And here we have, I choose God's path and it gives me the crown of life. When I choose the devil's path, I may have some pleasures and fun along the way, but in the end, it's ultimately going to produce death, destruction. I'm really glad you say that, Edwin. Um, one of the things um, I think it's easy to do is just kind of what you're saying is, I'll choose the path of God. But then I'm like, well, let me see if I can tailor the results. Let me see if I can tailor what's going to happen as I go down this path. Wait, I didn't know I'm going to have to deny deny myself, take up my cross, follow him, like Jesus calls his followers in Luke chapter 9. We, get, we jump into it thinking... Well, if I can get the things I want, but also get the end, that that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're like you just said, we're accepting whatever's going to go along that path, but it's it's for the hope for that end. Mm-hmm. So there in Psalm one, the very last thing it says is, "God knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked uh, ends in death, um, or the way of the wicked perishes." The interesting thing about that, I've mentioned this a few weeks ago, reading a, an old book by a fellow named William Law, and of course all the usual caveats apply, but the section I've just been reading has to do with the fact that God knows how life should be lived. God knows how all the gifts and the blessings that he has bestows upon us in this life, he knows how we should use them. Uh, Law has this great illustration of just imagining a person who has been placed in a room who is completely ignorant of how everything in the room is supposed to be used, and even his own senses have cannot figure it out. And so he's thirsty, and he takes a pile of sand and pours it in his eyes because he's not sure what to do. Yeah, so you're laughing. That's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? He's hungry, and so he wraps himself about with iron chains. He's cold, so he sticks his feet in water. And as we hear all this, here's a fellow that has no idea how to use the things that are in the room. He's got everything there in the room that he needs to, to accomplish all that he needs to accomplish, but he doesn't know how to use it. And so he's, he's hurting himself by using these things in, in wrong ways. And then imagine somebody coming into the room and educating him. Look, here's food. When you're hungry, eat the food. Here is water. When you're thirsty, drink the water. Uh, when, when you're cold, wrap yourself in this blanket. When, and so many different things as he now starts explaining. When you need to purchase things, this gold over here, use that to purchase things. When you need to grow things, grow it in the dirt here. Uh, the, he's showing him how to use all these things. If he then continues using them in the wrong ways, now you're not just dealing with a person who had been ignorant, but now you're dealing with a fool. Mm -hmm. And what we find is that God has blessed us with so many things, and he's showing us the way to life, and he's showing us the proper use of all the things that he has given us. And sometimes we would rather continue doing things the way the devil has said. And, And it becomes no longer ignorance. It becomes folly. And... I think one of the reasons is because what Satan provides is 
is immediate gratification, immediate gratification, whereas God has us look to eternity. He says, there's something greater coming. I'm bringing you to that, and I'm teaching you how to use these things so that you can have the greater gifts that I have for you, whereas Satan offers these lesser gifts, and we become satisfied with them. And what we find here in James is, I need wisdom from God, I need to listen. I need to pursue steadfastness. My desires get in the way. I need to desire God and his plans and his ways. And as I do that, what God provides for me is the crown of life. I'm glad you pointed that out because it is really important what we desire. You know, he's showing that the path of suffering should be stemming from, hey, I love God. And in the end, I'm going to receive a crown of life, Mm -hmm. which is, again, it's contrasted with, I desire but I'm desiring for my own fleshly gain, for my mm. own sins. Well, that's going to bring forth death. Yes. So the real question, really, James is driving at is, what is what do I desire? Mm-hmm. If if I if I desire God, if I desire His presence, if I desire what He gives, I'm going to get the crown of life. Mm-hmm. I, I think as you bring that up, it it brings us to one of the big questions folks have in this paragraph, and that is, we've already seen that growth comes from trials. And then we find a similar word about God doesn't tempt us. And yet this is this is the same word as the the trials that we have. And so so how is it that God both tries us but doesn't tempt us? However, Satan does tempt us. Uh, w- what's going on in all that? Yeah, I I I've tried to work through understanding that a little bit and I don't I don't know that I fully understand it. But there's other passages in the Bible that talk about this. Okay. Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 42, you have um, these narrative sections bordered by all this dialogue. But it actually, you see Satan coming before God, and then Satan is actually allowed to uh, to cast suffering on Job, to cause him to lose his kids, to cause him to lose these, these awful sufferings. But at the end of the book, it actually says God brought this evil upon him. Mm. Which is kind of interesting to me. It sort of takes you back. It's like, what is, what's what's going on here? The same thing sort of happens in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, this thing that he's received is a messenger from Satan, but then Paul calls it a gift of God. Mm. So what, what this is telling us is that something can be both um, from Satan, but it can be being used by God. Mm. So sometimes we have things in our lives, trials, tribulations, that's exactly what they're going through. And we could look at them, oh, these are purely evil, they're from Satan, um, what what are we supposed to do with these, right? But they can actually be used if we understand they're from God. Hey, he's the giver of every good gift. Man, this this really looks really bad, but it's actually something from God. It's actually used to fill in the gaps. We talked about that the other day. It's used to make us persevere. It's used to make us steadfast. At the end of it, it's, it's something that's really good. One, one thing I want to appeal to, and this is actually a point you've made before, but in Matthew chapter 6, it gives this image of a father who gives good gifts. Um, if his son asked him for a serpent, well, of course, he's not going to give him a serpent. He's going to give him bread. One of the things I think is confusing is how the world labels things. Because the world will call what God is giving us bread a serpent. Mm. And it, maybe in our way of thinking, we've started to think it's a serpent. Mm. On the flip side of this, we also think that the world's serpent is bread. Mm. We've, we've got a confusing way of thinking about this, and sometimes that really messes things up. Do you want to speak on that as well? I think that's a fantastic concept and picture to have in our minds, recognizing that God's gifts, and we're, we're getting ahead of our discussion. I know we're going to get to this later in this first <laughs> chapter of James, but God's gifts are good. He, the, the, the only things he gives us are good things. The world wants to mislabel it. 
we must not let the world label. We, we must maintain God's labels. As we're considering this idea of temptation and trying, I really appreciate you bringing up Paul, especially, and, and Job, but especially Paul's statement there in 2 Corinthians, because I think what it shows us is that the, the reason why we can have God trying us but not tempting us is here is this word that has a various range of meanings, and I think James is using a play on words here, where here's the same word that on the one hand can mean a testing in order to prove, in order to grow, in order to purify, but can also be used as a temptation in order to get us to fall. And James's point is that God tests us in order to prove us, in order to strengthen us, in order to grow us. He never does anything in order to get us to fall. But as you've pointed out, Satan will use the exact same things, and he is not trying to test us, prove us, grow us, strengthen us. He is trying to get us to fall. And so he produces in Paul a thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. From Satan's perspective, it's hopefully going to drive a wedge between Paul and the Lord. But God allows it because God sees it as a tool that will allow Paul to draw closer to the Lord. As Paul sees his own weakness, he realizes his need for the Lord, and he comes closer. He's proven, he's grown, he's strengthened. Whereas Satan hopes that what Paul will do with that is get upset, be mad at God for letting him go through whatever this thorn in the flesh is and drive him away from God. And so we have God who does test and he tries in order to prove us and grow us, but he never tempts us in order to get us to fall. And he himself will never fall. Now, back to all that we said earlier, what's the difference between how we're going to handle these things? It's going to come down to our desires. When I desire God above all, then what I'm going to have is growth and strength from the trials. But if I desire the passions and pleasures of the flesh, then I'm going to have temptation that makes me fall, and Satan wins the day. So I really appreciate that. Look, go ahead and wrap up and send us out in prayer, Peyton. Sure thing. Lord our God, we thank you so much for this day and for the ability to study your word, look into it. Lord, we know that you're the giver of every good gift, that you, you give. We receive the crown of life when we follow you, when we love you. But oftentimes, even though I may be trying to make the right decisions, trying to do the right things, spiritual things, reading the Bible, praying, I find that oftentimes I am still holding on to my desires. And Lord, if I'm to receive the crown of life, I know I must let go of them, let go of that which is holding me back, those things which I hold on to that are just temporary, just in this world, and really hold on to you, desire you more than anything, love you. Lord, if you can give us all a a new heart, new hearts to desire you more and more, um, letting go of the world's way of thinking that says that these good things you're giving to us are for our benefit, and start holding on to you, desiring you, desiring the things that you give us. Lord, be with us in this day, and thank you for this time to do this podcast together today, and we pray that it's encouraged and lifted up other people today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.